Happy almost Pride Month, and in honor of June, Jay would like to share something with you. It's also officially Don't Say DeSantis Month. Welcome to Gay Talk 2.0, the ultimate podcast for your dose of dish. Good evening, ladies and gents, and welcome back to another episode of Gay Talk 2.0, an LGBT podcast streaming live on gaytalk20.com forward slash live stream. And you can access that live stream every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can do so by visiting our website uh, whenever you get a chance. Anyway, my name is Tom, and I'm your host, and as always, I'm in the studio with my amazing co-host, starting with the first one. Hey, y'all, Nick or Trish. And Jay Bear, a.k.a. your boyfriend's boyfriend. All right, and welcome you all to The Dish. I want to thank you all for joining us. We are live, and usually we start our show and we jump right into our Dish episode or our Dish portion of the show. But today, uh, as we always do when we have our amazing guest on, we're going to start with our guest first, and then we're going to move on to our Dish on the second half of the show. So joining us is, of course, none other than the amazing Dr. Evan Goldstein of Bespoke Surgical. Um, who was here to um, talk about something that, you know, not many of us really give a lot of thought to, or maybe we do, but we don't realize how impactful it is um, for us all when we're trying to engage and be, you know, sexual and, and all those when great things. When we're trying to rosebud. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, Dr. G, welcome back to the show. What's up? It's been too long. I know. This it, new schedule is a little different. Yes, it is. <laughs> Why can't I only, I can only see you. I can't see everybody else. Oh, give me one second. Wait, I'll, I'll fix that in a minute. She's being a camera whore. Oh, she's nasty. I just got a spray tan. Put me on the camera. I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Oh, my God. But while I, I, while I do that, tell us a little bit about what, you, what you've been up to so far, Dr. G. All good. I'm busy. I'm fucking in this jail cell looking at assholes all goddamn day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see that you have, you know, an emergency happening behind you. Oh, that's not that's not from us. We only have good things coming out of this office. Oh, no. <laughs> can you see us all all together now? I can. That's I can. And Marilyn in the corner. Yeah, I yes. see that. Yes, girl. Um, so, well, that's wonderful. So summer's about to kick off um, officially. Tomorrow's June 1st, which also kicks off Pride for us. How's everything going? All good. I'm excited for Pride, and uh, you know it's uh, this interesting times in this world, which mm. is so crazy. Um, but uh, but everything's good. The kids are going to sleepaway camp soon, so we're free. We wound up fostering a fucking dog, and it's like, oh, shoot, Andy and I right now. So it's like <laughs> we got so much shit going on. But uh, but other than that, everything's cool. What what we're talking about. Kind of mental ramifications of anal, right? Is that what our plan is? Yeah, Indeed that is our plan is. today. So, so do why I, don't you tee us up? Yeah, I always tell people that you know, like what I do is sixty percent functional work, <laughs> meaning I fix the ass, make it look pretty, get us into a good space, but it's forty percent mental, and and that's um, you know a tough part, just simply because there's so much that goes into anal. Right. And so much, especially if there's an injury where you start to kind of look at, well, what are the real issues? Like, even if I were to make your ass perfect, 
like mentally you're still restricted. You're still like, am I going to tear? Am I going to bleed? How much of that plays into the better bottoming aspects of what we're doing, even after we heal. So I heal, I see that the scar tissue is perfect. Everything is in a good space, but yet mentally people can't get to where they need to be. Um, So that's on the surgical side. Do you also find though that like when somebody has a traumatic experience or if they have a tear, they have to go through surgery that you're dealing with the mental side of it as well after the fact, like, okay, I just went through this huge thing. I couldn't have sex for, I don't know, a couple months. And now how do I re-engage without being afraid I'm going to do the same thing I did before? Totally. I mean, I think I usually break things up. Like if we're talking about like the mental aspect of anal, let's talk first about just people coming in, uh, not injured. Let's just say someone comes into the office and they're like, you know, sex is either difficult or painful, or, um, I just can't get myself to be where I want to be. And I, and, and they'd say to me, well, is it functional or is it in my head right mm-hmm. now? When I do an examination, I can tell, I can kind of look and see, are we missing a hemorrhoid, a skin tag, a fissure, or something that's going to cause the issues that this person has? We also do what's called an anal manometry, which measures the pressures anally so that I could see, well, maybe, yeah, maybe it is in his head or no, functionally, there are some limitations and then that fucks with you mentally, right? And that's where dilating, anal Botox, physical therapy, a lot of things of, let's say you're not injured and mentally you can't get to where you want to be sexually, what are the things that we can do Mm -hmm. to help prove to you that you're in a good space, that it's a good scenario, that you're not going to get hurt, that it's going to be pleasurable, and then create more of a positive feedback. Yeah, I mean, that that makes 100% sense. But um, two follow-up questions. So first question is, you, you mentioned pressure. So depending on an individual, they could have a different level of pressure in their anal cavity? Yeah. So what we found here by studying a lot of um, asses is a couple of things. One is, is that there's three types of bottoms and it's basically a third, a third, a third. There's a third that can take anything. You know, those are the guys who are like, you're trying to fuck them. They're able to open their ass completely gape and take you. And they're not getting injured. Those are the fisters. Those are the people. Yeah. You're pointing to one. (laughs) Yeah. So he can take whatever and open up and do what he needs to. That's a third. Now, two thirds have issues. And the question is, of those issues, can they overcome those issues on their own? Meaning dilating, stretching, toy work, and kind of getting them into an understanding of mind, neurological, and physical, right? All of those components, do you find that those that two thirds of people, um, you know, generally say, oh, I'm a top? I think of those two thirds, probably half of them will be like top verse. OK, and you're right. And I could always be. And then my next question is always, 
Are you top verse because it's not your MO or are you top verse because anal just is not pleasurable? And I would say 90% of them are saying it's not pleasurable. I never had a good experience and I've just put myself into the top category instead of say, and then I say, well, if I were to get it where you felt comfortable and in a good space, would you bottom? And all of them are like, fuck yeah, I would. Right. And so that that now now with those two thirds, you're able to understand like half of those are never going to get to where they need to be without me doing something. Right. And that may be a surgical approach. It may be in office anal Botox. It may be dilating in the operating room, opening up something, doing something because there's Mm -hmm. also a functional component to that. So what would cause so. I'm in my head now, right? So people that feel like they can't bottom, um, you know, there's a huge portion that now you're saying potentially have this, you know, difference of pressure. What what causes that difference of pressure or, or you know, makes one uncomfortable to, to take a dick? It, it's, it's genetics and kind of how we're built. Also, it's what we're doing at the gym and squats and kind of really building muscle. It's no different than any other muscle that we have. Now, with that being said, you're born with that. And I also think that like, you know, it's interesting when people say to me that they come out later in life or they 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 started bottoming a little bit later in their world. What I see is the kid that's 16, 17, 18, that's taking dick. They're going through puberty at that time that the muscles are really able to be molded. So if you start bottoming early you're able to control and really kind of get the muscle map, you know, the muscle memory and all of that in, in line with what you're trying to do. But a lot of us come out later or aren't bottoming as early. And then the muscle is already formed. It's tight and it's no different than any other muscle. So with that being said, I see it. It's interesting. Like in women, because women are, giving birth, their muscles are much more lax. They're able to open and their pelvic floor is really able to relax. They're fucking basically, you know, pushing out a baby through the Mm -hmm. entire pelvic floor. (laughs) But in the male pelvis, it, it doesn't need that requirement. So what happens? Whoever created us put a fuckload of muscle in about two thirds of people. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, that does. One hundred percent makes sense. It's, it's crazy. as Nick always says. It's oh my god! Stop. <laughs> I, was, I did a radio interview that wasn't the show, and I listened back to it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, one hundred percent!" Like twenty times, <laughs> like twenty times. It was so bad, but um, no, yeah, no, it makes sense, and it's interesting to me because honestly, you know, you have a huge portion of the gay population that they literally, you know, they identify as only top. But the reality is a lot of men that I've been with that identify as only top wanted. Are you looking at me? No, (laughs) I'm just looking at the group Um, wanted to bottom. But but I guess it was because of this. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't know that there's ways to approach this. I also think that, like, you know, we shouldn't really classify you know, because you, if you don't bottom and you never had a pleasurable experience, yeah, why would you want to bottom, right? right? But if I can do something 
to make it pleasurable, especially as we're all aging. I see a lot of people that, you know, are having erectile issues or had to have prostate surgery and they want to be relevant still within the communities. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, well, what do I got to do? I'm like, you got to open your ass. I mean, you got to, we have to work your hole in order to get you to where you need to be. And so what I usually tell people, because a lot of people can't come or don't have access to this type of care is Instead of doing um, a manometry test, which is measuring the pressures, you can kind of do it on your own, meaning you can start with like a small toy. You can smart start with like a small dilating kit and really start to see. And that's where the dilating protocol and future method, we came up with the dilators that really are also a test for people to see if you're able to take the small, medium and large over three to five weeks without a problem, then you should be fine Mm -hmm. bottoming. If you're doing the small, medium, and you feel like there's pain, there's blood, there's irritation, then clearly you're in the other two-third group that now we need to say, okay, like, can you just be by doing toys and understanding the right ways to manipulate the pelvic floor in your ass, can you get to where you need to be on your own, or do you need professional help to get there? Right. So what I'm hearing now, so you find somebody or somebody comes to you and they're like, I want to bottom or I'm afraid of bottoming. The first step, dilation, you know, trying these yeah. kits. Yeah. We, we go through those. It doesn't really work for me. What do I do next? Then the next really should be a formal evaluation because a lot of people, they don't know what a hemorrhoid is. They don't know what a fissure is, which is a tear. They can't tell. It's like hard. You can't look at, look inside your hole, right? So what I would do is, well, you can. Some people can. They have talent. But what <laughs> I would, does. Yeah. What what I would do is I would do a formal evaluation, right? We're looking inside and out. We're able to see is there something that is hindering the relaxation and the pleasure. Is it extra skin? Is it a tear? Is it a hemorrhoid? Is it purely a muscle issue? And then when we're doing that, then I do a formal evaluation by measuring the pressures. And then from that, all of that information, I'm able to see, okay, this person, let's just do anal Botox every three months to get relaxation of the muscle. And this is where the mental side, and it brings us back to kind of this discussion. If someone is shoving something in your ass, the reflex is to clamp down, Mm is to close, right? We, the, the, the third, those third people are able to push that reflex away and change it to open, right? With that being said, those two thirds can't do that. And so the mental side of it is not only a mental of, I want to be fucked and this is painful and I'm clamping down. It's also body's normal mechanism of either you're clamping down, you feel like you need to shit. There's no pleasure in the situation because you're so tight and restricted. And so I break it into those three categories, which is, is it mental, like psychological? Is it neural, meaning the connection from the brain to the ass? Or is it functional, locally at the ass or is it a combination of all three and most of the times it's a combination of all three as it relates to the issues at hand can you explain a little bit more about what neural means because why because i kind of equate both mental and neural the same yeah so neural is the connection like i'm telling my arm to give you the finger right now 
right? So I'm saying, fuck you. Sorry for asking you a question. <laughs> Jesus. Actually, so, don't put that finger out too too much because he might take you up on that offer. Yeah, you, you got nice hands. It's been 84 years. So, so the, the action of my brain telling the finger to move into the screen, that's neural, right? That's the mechanism of doing that. Psychologically, I want to tell someone to fuck off. I'm now connecting that and the the component of making the action happen is that's what's neural. So from a brain perspective, the in, in many people, the reflex, no matter what you do, is to keep the ass closed. Mm-hmm. Someone tries to put a finger in your ass, boom, you're clamping down. You could be high, you could be on poppers, you could be doing whatever. You could be like, I feel so relaxed. But no matter what, the mechanism of that ass in most people is to keep it closed. Mm-hmm. And Do you hear so- that, Jay? <laughs> he does not keep it closed. But so I guess my my last thing for you, and I don't know if the boys have anything because I've been monopoli- monopolizing the conversation. But my last thing would be nothing. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> valid um do you have a specific story like i feel like this post may have like kind of been born out of something you experienced is there a specific story you can share where somebody came in with some you know mental blocks that you helped them through it yeah yeah i mean i think that there's so many as it relates to it i think one of the things is there's this thing called paradoxical motion, which is nobody ever teaches us the right way to shit. Did your parents ever like go over, okay, this is what you're supposed to do in the right mechanics. And so a lot of that is inherent to who we are. And a lot of times when you ask your ass to squeeze, it relaxes or vice versa. And that's why some people have issues just with bowel movements. They can't forget the sex side. Basically they're tearing or hemorrhoids or they don't feel like they're completely emptying. A lot of irritable bowel or Crohn's patients will have this effect where it not only hinders the the shitting perspective, but obviously the sex side. Mm -hmm. You know, I think fissuring is the main issue that I see. Let's say someone says, I'm going to have sex tonight. They, they don't dilate. They don't understand. Nobody had sexual education. And a fucking guy just rams the cock in. And what happens? The muscle clamps down. That means the pressures are elevated. They try to stick it in. It tears the skin. And then it creates this chronic fissure. And that fissure is painful, especially if we're going from like average dick to like, Mm -hmm. let's say we can take average dick and someone's like, oh, this guy's got a huge cock. And then they're like, fuck it, I'm going to take it. And you try to take it and then it splits the skin. Mm -hmm. Right. So with that being said, what happens is there's so much pain and you're so contracted and tight that first I have to kind of get everything to heal. And then now it's like, well, shit, is it going to happen again? Or like someone's like, or or let's say someone takes it upon themselves, which happens all the time with my clients to use creams, use lotions, give it some time. And then they give it two, three weeks. They're like, oh, I feel pretty good. I'm not bleeding. I'm not having pain. And then they're like, fuck it. I want to have penis again. They go to sex. It tears again. And then usually this happens over and over for quite some time where 
mentally, it takes a toll. Like today, I had someone who keeps having these issues and he lost a partner because the partner's a pure top. And he's like, you know, a, he was a bottom in the relationship and he can't perform. And even if they, even though they opened up the relationship, it's like, you know, like you lose that connection where you lose relationships because of that. And then mentally, it fucks with you because you're like, bottom and i can't yeah wow that's crazy and then what happens is i fix them and this goes back to your question before like i do surgery i fix their ass but mentally they're like well is it going to happen again and like how do i get myself and that's where physical therapy using toys to kind of mimic anal botox even though a lot of times the muscle is relaxed. Mm-hmm. I still give them anal Botox because mentally it helps them to feel confident because once I give you confidence that you can take that, you feel comfortable, there's pleasure. Now, all of a sudden, as time progresses, you're able to kind of mm-hmm. lose that. Oh, fuck. Is something going to happen? Do you ever find, and I think we've talked about this before, but um, do you ever find that somebody is in such a, deep place mentally that they need to actually see a therapist and if that's the case do you actually have like a group of people you refer to yeah totally i mean if i open my drawer i have like six different uh social workers and therapists and everybody just because there's so much of this and a lot of this is you know it's like the internalized homophobia the our own pressures that we put on ourselves it's it's societal pressures Mm -hmm. it's like Douching and cleaning. It's like, am I going to tear? You know, am I worthy of dick in my ass? Right. Like there's like so much of that that plays into this. And then now all of a sudden you have these injuries that are recurring. You can imagine how much mental anxiety there goes into this. And it's a it's a, a work in progress. And I say if things are progressing where we see that this is not moving in the right direction from a mental side, then for sure, we we get everybody kind of putting into this more sex therapists, um, our physical therapist, and then obviously uh, what we're doing here in the office. And it doesn't make it any easier, too, that you have, for example, so you have people that are conscious of the fact that, you know, psychologically, they, they need to go through it before they allow someone to go back there. But then you also have, other on the flip side of that, these very aggressive tops who have no care, no concern whatsoever for the bottom that can exasperate that that feeling in them and saying, I have no control of what this guy is about to do with me. And I'm not I'm not talking about like um, like in the rape, you know, scenario, but I'm just talking about in the sense of, you know, he's my partner. I don't know how to talk to him and tell him that you're hurting me when you do that. And um, like. How do we educate our tops to be a little bit more conscious and more aware of the fact that your your significant other who happens to be the bottom could could be going through this psychological and emotional roller coaster at the same time? Treat my butthole like a temple. <laughs> totally. Well, I, I, you know, interesting because from a bottoming perspective, everybody thinks that you have to be submissive to be a bottom, yeah. right? Um, but there, there's ways to be submissive and still be in control if that's you, what you want. Or in the beginning, no, I only tell people like you have to only be in control in the beginning if we've 
gotten you to the point where you're healed or you're able to receive. And now we're just working mentally to get you into a good space. That's where solo toy play comes into huge because it's like you experimenting with the toys and the positions and really making sure mentally that you're in a good space. Then it's like you using the toys during sex. Then it's finding a partner or a fuck buddy or someone that could just lay there hard and you're using the dilators and then sitting on them in control. And it's this process of like, kind of liberating those thoughts by being in control and then still, and then like the last position that they would do would be kind of a doggy uh, mm-hmm. or something where you're completely losing control, but you have to set the stage for success. You're right. If someone just is like, oh yeah, just stick it in and go for it. The reality is, is that no, that's going to be an issue. And that's why most people are coming to see me is Mm -hmm. because we're not educating the masses the right way. We're not using, you know, the right products to support what we're trying to do. We're not understanding our own anatomy. You know, like I think every single homosexual should have not only STD screening, anal pap smears, but they should have anal manometry. We should have people evaluated before they're having sex. We know who's going to be successful at sex. So why aren't we setting that stage for that success? So there's a lot that we're trying to do on an educational perspective, because I do think a lot of these injuries would be prevented Mm -hmm. if we're teaching both. You know, it's interesting. My kids are going into sex. So Phoenix came to me. Do you know what an orgasm is? And I was like. And then, so of course, my <laughs> au pair, my my old pair, who's from France, he's like, "Oh, Phoenix, just wait until you hear what Daddy does." <laughs> oh my, oh my god. god! I got so, I got a bit of a, a follow up question. So, yeah. as far as injuries or or uh, the relationships come, the majority of of your patients are they older couples or are they younger couples? All, all over the map. All I over? think I, I see you know every age group. Um, so I would say, you know, a lot are definitely young kids, you know, I'm in New York with all the school systems here and you have, you know, Pace and NYU and, uh, Fordham and all these, and a lot of them are not, you know, taught the right way. And so with that being said, a lot of what we do with the anal dilation and bespoke surgical and future method is to kind of like tomorrow I'm giving a talk at MMX, which is uh, kind of a, a massage exchange here. And those guys are great because we're, we're all talking and sitting and kind of really looking at all the things that we could do to prevent injury, mm-hmm. prevent STDs, risk reduction, and really start thinking of things differently because of that. But no, I think I see usually bimodal, which is I usually see young people, let's say 17 to 30s. Um, Then what I'll see is like, you know, 60s to 80s of I need to reinvigorate my sex life. I've just divorced this piece of shit. And now I have to, you know, (laughs) figure out what Mm. I'm going to do anally and this and that. But no, I think from an age, I see all over the map. So my, uh, obviously I have more questions. I always have more questions. So when we talk about, hundred percent, when we talk about this, um, what is it called? The pressure, the thing that you were yeah, testing. Yeah. So is stuff like that covered by insurance? Cause like, that's a whole nother layer to the mental, you know, mental issues. It's, it's financial, right? So it's like, I'm, I'm dealing with these, you know, personal things and I want to bottom, but 
can I actually go to Dr. G and, and, and afford it? Yeah. So, I mean, I do a lot of work with, first of all, I take Medicaid's and, and kind of all of that side specifically in the New York system, um, just because I want to give back to the community. So with that being said, and, and we're super easy, obviously on our website, they fill out a form with insurance and then we're able to kind of navigate and then go from there. With that being said, I also do a lot of uh, virtual stuff where we'll do Zoom discussions to kind of see before you come and spend money and, you know, even just getting here, uh, we do a lot of evaluations just through Zoom where I can understand where are we, what can we do that's easy to start with before we kind of go from there. But, you know, the problem is, is that, you know, where everybody lives, the doctors and the surgeons that are there just don't have the capacity to understand the community. I mean, I saw two kids today from Boston. You're like, how the fuck does the Brigham Young and Harvard and all these great places not have people that understand? And it's like, they go to three, four surgeons, three to four different doctors, and they're just like, oh, you're going to have to live like this. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? You're like, no, you don't, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it behooves me to do more of like, how do I train people and teach people and have them just understand just from an educational perspective to think differently? Because what we're doing is not rocket science right. It's just looking at the community and saying, hey, this is what we need to do. And then how do we take care of it in a way to get them to where they need to be? Yeah. What I'm hearing is that Dr. G needs another office, not only in L.A., oh, not only in God. New York City. <laughs> like, Another one in Boston and one in myself. I'm fucking sitting here in this chair all day. My (laughs) ass hurts. I'm fucking tired. You know, and then another one in Miami. Yeah. I'm trying. It's just, look, if anyone's listening and they're in proctology and they're in surgery and they want to go into amazing gay science and gay sex. Yeah. Email me, text me, DM me. I'm more than happy. I have somebody I I would love to introduce you to. I'm not kidding. He's a a resident, but. But I, but I think that as time goes on, it'll get easier and easier because you're right. There's people that now are seeing that there is a, such a need uh, globally for all of this. Right. Um, and, you know, we're trying to form like, uh, you know, a union of all these different doctors uh, that understand the nature so that we're able to start forming, you know, standard of care and curriculums. And it takes time. You know, nobody taught me how to do this. I had to kind of like figure it out and really analyze it to come up with these techniques to be like, all right, this is how we need to treat this community. So I think in due time, it'll happen. But I think the key is on a mental side of all of this is it's all super normal. One, to be so mental and in your head before you come to the office. Then it's from a surgical perspective. Then it's it's a lot of handholding to get people Mm -hmm. there. But the key is, is that like, you know, it's always forward progress. How do we get to where we want to be? Where do you, what, what do you want to take? How much do you want to take? Where do you want to go with this? And then how do we get people there? And that's me, that's physical therapy, that's psychological evaluations and treatments. It's a lot of in-depth work and it's, and it's the patient, the client, right? You have to kind of will it and work it to yep. get there. Well, I mean, Dr. G, again, you do such amazing work uh, and Wow. I agree. I mean, he's always given us, you know, amazing dish served medical dish, of course, as we call it served eh, full always. of great advice, um, you know, and you're at the hands of someone that just has fantastic fingers. So if you're in his presence and you happen to, you know, be um, 
be how would I say in his care I'm sure that you know one way or another you'll find it easy to um to manage to um get comfortable and 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 receive the care that this doctor provides so eloquently and and so amazingly to our community well thank you and Nick I didn't forget about you I have an email that I owe you we'll we'll, we'll talk I know. I didn't forget. I didn't forget. <laughs> all right. Listen, I love you all. Love and you uh, let's uh, make it happen. Happy Pride. Happy and, Pride. You know, while the boys are away, maybe we'll make a trip down to New York, get lunch or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's Where do it. Where are we going? To visit him and get lunch. Oh, I, oh! you said when the boys are away. I'm like, I thought They're you meant sleepaway oh, sleep camp. I was like. Yeah. Oh. It makes it much easier to have a little bit more time. Yeah. yeah. Of course. All right, guys. I love you much. I'll talk to you soon. All all right. Thank Bye. you, Dr. G. Bye. Nice seeing you, Doc. All right, ladies and gents, the amazing Dr. Evan Goldstein. I love that man so much. Um, yeah, we definitely should. Um, I I would love to to go out there. And, lunch. Well, and I also and just, do lunch. I just need a my annual check. Uh, of of course, you do that. <laughs> we can do a late afternoon visit so we can have dinner. Th- there's maybe. always an agenda. I would love to meet his husband. Mm. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, I mean, we've met his kids um, over. I've been to his office twice. Skype, Zoom. Um, yeah, so right in I, New York, they, it's such it's so cute. The office with the little blue door. Uh, clearly, I mean, and you see all the things outside. It's pretty fun. All right, well, listen. Uh, why don't we uh, take a quick break because Mama needs to, you know, do what she needs to do, and um, we will be right back. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back from the break. Uh, We needed uh, to take a quick little siesta uh, to get refreshed and all that good stuff. Once again, I want to thank Dr. Evan Goldstein for gracing us with his amazing uh, presence and giving us his great advice for all you bottoms out there who just like to keep your buttholes on point. You know how that goes. Uh, But we're back and we're going to jump into the dish. So, um, yeah, here we go. So first things first, quick round table with the boys. Uh, normally I would ask you, you know, what have you done in the past week? But today I don't care. Tell me what you're doing for Pride <laughs> Month. Starting with you, Trish. Any uh, plans? Gala. Gala. Yeah, gala. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to gala. Gala's next Friday. Yeah. And then after that, I can think about what the fuck I'm doing with It's next Friday? Yeah. It's the 9th. Next Friday. Yeah. Oh my God. June 1st is tomorrow. That's why. That's why I was running late today because I happy Pride just, evening. And then that's right, back to back meetings. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I got um, an eye exam. I'm wearing contacts, which is weird for me. Um, and I got a spray tan, which no one noticed. So <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's not for lack of trying. Mm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just saying, it's just you know. It's wonderful. So you've got Gala. Do you plan to do anything else? Do you plan to do like maybe New York or honestly, any of the prides? Honestly, I I would consider going to New York, but uh, I'm I'm at an age where I'm like I I know that trek down there is just horrible. It's not the trek. It's like I'm. Not the energetic, cute twink I once was. <laughs> well, you don't need to be. After, you know, once you go into a bar and you get some beers and, and alcohol and shots, you'll, you'll be fine. So This is I, usually the case. So right now, no, I have no plans. Um, just, uh, you know. 
not a bad thing. Well, um, then maybe I'll go. So uh, let's see. I've got Gala coming up, or Gala, or Gala. I would, Either I would way, say Gala. Fine. I went and uh, rented a suit because you know she doesn't want to buy a suit and something I'm not possibly going to like wear again. Um, so I did that, and in preparation for you know being able to to go and 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 show up and support my bitch over here for gala and go see Jeremy Jordan, who's just absolutely gorgeous. He's my husband. He just doesn't know it yet. Um, And then after that, I think um, there's a work thing happening where they are getting us tickets for a Yankees game in New York city um, for um, gay night. Oh, cool. And so they'll give us a little um, hat Yankees hat with the LGBTQ logo Uh, on it. I want one. And, um, that happens on a Thursday, though. I got to go into a city on Thursday. So you might have to stay here with the boys. Just saying. No, I'm going. I want a hat. So, um, <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. And um, and then I might go to Pride in Providence for the day because a couple of my friends are going. And I told them I will go as long as we can come back that day because I can't stay overnight. You know, I've got babies and and things. Or again, maybe, you know, you can stick around and, and help out with the boys. You're my babysitter. I guess so. You're my babysitter. And uh, and I think that's all I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing New York City. Um, quite honestly, you know, a lot of this craziness surrounding, you know, the, these attacks on our drag community has me very worried. Um, you know, some of these um, right-wing organizations or, or terrorist groups, as I like to call them, are really making a lot of noise. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised nor shocked if... Um, any of this would would come to, come to fruition during any of our pride events that are happening in the tri-state area. So, um, you know, I'm not one to easily scare from from people, but I'm too old to be dealing with this shit. Number one, but if you are going to go out there, just be very safe. Know your surroundings. Know your exit routes, and just know where you are. What about you, JJ? No specific plans. Nothing to date. To no. date. To date, she'll find herself. I, yeah, I never really plan anything. I've Man. noticed uh, over the years. Let me uh, bring this in a little closer. Thank you. <clears throat> over the years, I've I always made plans, and then it never really worked out. Right. So now it's just play by ear. Play by ear. Whoever's like, "Hey, we're doing this." If I have, if I'm free, let's I'm go. To, so I really don't. I don't plan anything anymore. I haven't done that in. Well over fifteen years. Not so. a bad way to live. I'll tell no. you something. I'll tell you that. Live for the moment and, and enjoy yourself while you can. That's one it. thing you 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 really understand very quickly is that you cannot and you don't get disappointed yeah, exactly. when you don't make plans exactly. or have fixed plans. Exactly. So that's awesome. Yeah, and you don't have to sit around waiting for people to invite you to do anything. If if you feel like doing something, you just go out and do it, and that's it. Exactly. Uh, so well, hopefully, if um if this whole thing with the uh, New York Yankees game, baseball game, pans out. You can come with. Yep. Um, it'll be nice. Or you can come with. I don't know. We'll figure something out. I want a hat. I don't know about you getting the hat, but you can come <laughs> with. Yeah. And and oh, uh, by the way, this past weekend was uh <laughs> was uh the Pride event at Trevi Lounge. Uh, How was that? The Fairfield Pride. I missed and the day actually, event. Unfortunately, pro- proceeds went to the Pride Center. Yes. Um, so they, they, 
they had canceled it prior, you know, due to COVID and so on for a couple of years. So it was the first time they were redoing it. I missed the day event, the vendors and the performances outside because it was my granddaughter's birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that took precedence. But I did come, you know, uh, did step out at night and, and attended of course uh, the evening festivities mm-hmm. she's a lady um, of the night yeah it, it was nice it was a decent <laughs> crowd um great performances um it was nice it was it was a great turnout so good it was good it was nice to go out and just have a few drinks after a long day hanging out with the kids yeah <laughs> i'm wondering how how our how this year's new haven um pride is going to be in september and I, I mean i don't even know that they're you don't know if no. if anything's going to happen. Nothing really comes up until late. I think right. usually around July is when. You so start a lot stuff. of a lot of things have been put on pause, um, including we're not doing the Dorothy Awards this year. Um, no, we're not. Uh, we just don't have the financial capacity, um, and we don't have the time to plan it, especially with the fact that we had to furlough people for a period of time right um but we are planning something for pride it's going to be scaled down for sure um because at the end of the day right now we're looking at the bottom line right which is important right and like you know we keep saying we're going back to our roots and we're being more you know we're investing more in the community and being more of a community center and really focusing on the work that we do with casework and you know placing people in homes that need it um, and, you know, focusing on, you know, the services that we offer and not right. the show. Right. Um, that said, the show is important and we are still committed to doing something. Uh, we just need to figure it out. And actually, we just recently had a board meeting and what I asked um, the executive director to do is to set up. I want to have a all staff meeting with the staff that's currently at the pride center um, and will be moving forward with us and some of the board members and ask them what pride looks like for them. Right. Um, Because it's not about what the board wants. It's about what the staff can, you know, honestly attain. Right. And, and, and it make happen and facilitate too. I mean, it's important to be able to, you know, have the capability to do that. Yeah. And I, I want them, I want them to feel like they have a voice. I, I, I feel like for a good period of time, pride was growing at such an exponential rate. Right. That we just kind of sat back and i think now is the time that we can really look at what it will be for new haven mm-hmm. and make it something special but it it will also be um we're hoping to make some exciting announcements okay in, well, in september so all right well we'll leave it there so um you know just expect something if you're in the area you know to whether it happens in new haven or it happens in middletown i think middletown is doing their pride this year again um you know just make sure that you you know keep a lookout for information try to support your local endeavors because i think they're important because remember most of the changes that we make as a society happen closest to home right um we look 
for national news and things and and always are focused on or hyper focused on things that happen at the national level but we forget the impact that um living amongst people um who can affect change yes much more closer to you at home um what what it really is like so uh just make sure that you know you you take the time to do that so um, that being said, we've got um, two stories that we want to cover very quickly before we wrap up for the evening. Um, first things first, um, I don't know about you, uh, but uh, this company that I'm about to talk about, uh, we've known for years now, has been a company that has always <laughs> been in the news for their conservative views and for their willingness uh, to support anti-LGBTQ plus initiatives and groups and support and give to money to organizations that um, don't really like gay people. Yeah, so it's not the organization, it's <clears throat> the head of the organization. That said, the head reflects the entire organization. Of course he does. Um, so Chick-fil-A. Um, you know, is in the news uh, in recent days because um, it is reported that they have a DEI um, initiative that as a company, they are supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I swear to God, I read the story and I almost spit my coffee out because I was thinking to myself, how the fuck can you call yourself a company that supports diversity, equity, and inclusion when you have a head of your company who you know is pumping dollars into anti-LGBTQ plus initiatives, including attacking our trans brothers and sisters and you know members of our community in, in several capacities. It's... To me, it's an oxymoron, right? Um, and then I start thinking to myself, how would that work, right? Like, is it a bad thing or is it a good thing? Or do we think that, for example, this DEI initiative, which they've had for a couple of years, um, can bring significant change to an organization that's already been plagued by, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the baggage that, that it brings by, by having someone who heads that organization that is so anti-LGBTQ. Yeah. So, I mean, what I will say on the subject, because I have not read the article, mm. is I have been a part of a couple organizations that have, you know, put in place DEI initiatives. And every time that happens, leadership changes. Yeah. So whether it's board members leaving, whether it's, uh, you know, the CEO or the executive director, there's always some type of shift, not necessarily um, with the organizations that I worked for that they weren't uh, supportive of the DEI initiatives. But in order to actually take that next step for an organization, leadership generally needs to change right and so i'm hoping that with something like this you'll see their corporate board kind of flip a little bit you'll also potentially see a new ceo right well i mean listen i'm all for you know people having a change of heart and i believe in in humanity's uh, ability and capacity to do that what i don't believe in though is a CEO doing it to save face. So right. if that is the case right. and we don't see any actual change, then then it's all for nothing. Yeah. Right. I mean, because to me it's like so, you know, th- there are a lot of 
corporations, a lot of companies out there that are really diving into uh, this DE&I initiative. For example, our company has been doing it for the past six or seven years now, and where we've you know focused uh, heavily on DE&I initiatives and are encouraging um, you know groups that are employee-led groups that allow for um, you know people to bring forth um, themselves authentically at work and and be who they are and to be accepted for that. Uh, and a lot of organizations have jumped um, at the opportunity to do this, but then you start to think and wonder, okay, is this a bandwagon, right? Are we simply doing it because it's the cool thing to do or are we doing it because, you know what, we believe that everyone has a right um, to be free of of harassment, free of uh, to, to be themselves and free to bring them their authentic selves to any space that they occupy. And and how do we how do we tell the difference, number one? And then what do we do about it? If we find that our organizations that we work for are just doing it to show face. Mm-hmm. Call right. them out. Call yeah. them out. I think it's a big it's a big no no. I mean and again you you always see who's Who's there legitimately, right? right? And you see who's there just to save face or, you know, just appease people during this month and then the rest of the year it's done and forgotten. So right. you need to call them out and, and call them out, especially when, when you see that, you know, they're not following through on their so-called, you know, uh, DE&I initiatives. And I think it's a, it's a big thing to keep in mind as the year rolls through, right. you know, cause you have all these companies that, you know, they just jump on the bandwagon while everything's, you know, the thing to do right now. Right. I, I think, the, um, you know, and, and every, everybody does a little bit something different, but for us, so we, um, for pride month, we raise our flags in all of our buildings all over the country. Yeah. I know. Uh, we light our building in the colors of the rainbow for the month of June. Did you know that? Yeah, we've talked about it several times. You know, I'm beautiful. Okay. Um, and then one of the things that we do that, that is very unique because during the month of June, we also celebrate Juneteenth and it falls within the month of June. We do a flag exchange where we bring down, we have members of both groups um, of, of the black affinity group. And then, of course, the gay affinity group come and meet at the flagpole and we do an exchange of flags. So they lower the pride flag. We fold it. Very nicely, very gay. And we hold on to it while we raise the Juneteenth flag. We celebrate Juneteenth for the weekend, and then we do the exchange all over again, where we bring down the Juneteenth flag, give it the respect that it deserves, and fold it and, and have it you know, put in its special um, you know, package to then be put away um, till the next year. And then we raise the pr- pride flag back up. Um, and it happens, and it's been happening now for the past uh, two years that we've been doing it. And I think it's such a wonderful way to see two different affinity groups coming together um, to honor e- each of their causes. Right. Um, but, but most importantly is the fact that, you know, when we think about uh, DE and I and all the different affinity groups that we have, every single one of those different people, every single one of those different um, individuals can fall within our group. And so our pride group really touches or intersects with every single, uh, like interests interjects or wait, 
Intersex, that's Inter- right. Intersex or interconnects? Interconnects. Intersex, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it yeah. intersects sex, not sex. It intersects. Like an intersection. Yes, thank you. With all of the different affinity groups, because within our own community, we have members that might be, for example, veterans. We have members that might be either black or brown. We have members that might be, um, you know, disabled, right? Or members that might be part, might be a woman, or you might be a person who's gay or transgender or bisexual or whatever the case may be. And every single one of those different affinity groups that we have intersects with ours. And so we find ourselves at a precipice in, um, in time in our group where we're really like trying to, you know, assist other groups who are looking to do events because of our experience with the diversity in our community. So I want to dig a little deeper on this whole Chick-fil-A shit. Yeah. So no, back to Chick-fil-A. Okay. Sorry. So, so I was just proud, you know, back to the chicken agenda. So yeah. in 2021, mm-hmm. uh, hold on Chick-fil-A. Sorry. I had it. And then I started reading something else. Yeah. She's, she sees shiny things and she just goes. So for let me, for, oh, you're not wrong. Um, so let me first start with DEI does also include the LGBTQ plus community because it's not just about color. It's about gender. It's about race. It's about sexuality. It's about inclusive an inclusive workplace, a fully inclusive workplace Right. in everything that I've quickly read. There says nothing, um, in their commitment committed to being better at together with the LGBTQ plus community that said in 2021, they did hire, um, Eric McReynolds, um, a black man Mm -hmm. who is the VP of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I would implore him to start using language that includes the LGBTQ plus community. Right. And monitor any donations that are going to organizations that are not supportive of supportive of DEI initiative. Additionally, on Monday, I don't know if I didn't know this, but I don't know if you know this. A Texas state legislature uh, uh, passed a ban on DEI programs. Um, for publicly funded universities. So this is two weeks after the DeSantis bill. It's not June yet, so I can say his name. Oh, I was going to say, wait, no, we I've can't got say one his more name. day. Okay. One more day. Come on. Um, and like we had mentioned, yeah, we have to hours. be careful because he's creating a roadmap. Right. Two weeks after. Right. This ban was passed in Texas. So, personally, how I feel is that we need to hold Chick-fil-A to the highest of standards when it comes to DEI. Oh, of course. But but I feel like, you know, these states that are passing these, these, these unconstitutional laws, because that's what they are, right? Our ability to be ourselves, our abilities to have rights... Um, is constitutionally protected and it's enshrined in our constitution. And so they're, well, they're, they're unconstitutional. Not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not unconstitutional because they're not passing laws. They're passing they're, laws. They're passing laws that are banning funding for initiatives, you know, public initiatives. They're not banning funding saying like, 
we, you know, they're not banning uh, black people or gay people. They're not saying you can't be who you are. What they're saying is we're just not going to support it. Right. But which is not illegal. But when it comes from public funds that even gay people and black people and green people and orange people and all these other colored people put money into, we all pay taxes, right? Oh, yeah, and no, I mean, so for sure. They're my doing thing, the wrong is, thing is, by them doing this, it, it, in a sense, it's a violation of someone's, you know, civil right to, to have access to, to but things that, not, that support who you are as an individual, what makes you an individual. But it's, that's not a constitutional right. Of course it is. To have your civil to have, liberties, to be able to, to be have, who you are. So you mean to tell to me that access, if you go to have access to education, that's not that's literally not in the Constitution. Listen, to have access, to have access to who you are as an individual is an implied civil right. The right for you to be able to access information and history and lessons regarding actual factual things that happen is part of your civil rights as a a citizen so, of so, this country so to have access if to. If that's the case, then right. why have we continually and historically, because you're wrong, continually and historically... I like when she challenges me. So No, hold on. Continually and historically mm-hmm. banned books and not provided access to many communities, and many communities had to fight for those accesses. Right. And it started at the state level, and depending on the state level's mm-hmm. you know, decision... Mm-hmm. We had access or we did not have access. So it's not constitutionally a law. Like, it is not not constitutionally. Well, the Constitution is not a law. The Constitution is just a set of rights that people have. The Constitution is a framework in which we're supposed to build our laws off of. Yes, but it's not technical law. It's so, just the but, constitution of rules right, that we what, follow what as you a nation. Said it was so con- what I'm saying to you is this. Constitutionally, your civil rights, right, under the 14th Amendment, your civil rights to access as, as who you are as an individual, whether you're black, brown, green, purple, orange, whatever, you have a right to be treated with respect and dignity, and by them preventing you from accessing things that make or give you access to learn about who you are as a person, to learn about your history, like all the stuff that that D did in Florida, all these book bannings, and all of these things, in a sense, are unconstitutional because you're violating someone's civil rights to have access to this. Just like, for example, if someone says, I have a right to have a gun, and you're saying, no, you don't, have a right to have a gun because that's your protected civil right to do so it's constitutionally protected that you have a right to bear arms right you have a right to your civil liberties and they're taking those away from you and the only reason why we haven't seen anything be challenged or someone sue is because of the makeup of the, of the supreme court because if things start funneling up the chain of courts and it ends up at the supreme court with the conservative majority that we have they will fail we have to wait, you're, unfortunately, you're, you're for an wrong. entire if it, generation. If it gets up to the Supreme Court, you're it would right. fail. But, but it would fail. At the end of the day, it does not protect your right to access. It prote- protects your right to life, liberty, and um, hold on, what is it? Life, liberty, and the. Uh, well, I know that there's a there's an article that states that education is not a fundamental right under the constitution. It may not, it, it, you're, you might be right on that point. Yeah. 
you might you be right on that point. Discriminate um, based on a person's race, sex, right. religion, age. And by banning DE&I, what are you doing? You're literally but, telling people that, you know, you, I, not I'm not going to support. Thing is you're not banning DE&I. You're banning funding for DE&I. Right. There's a huge difference. They can still do it. They can still fund it privately if they wanted to. So they're technically not doing anything wrong. They're just saying the state's not going to fund it anymore. Well, that's not what you said at the beginning. Pretty sure that's what I said. What I heard was... I can't recall. This argument's been ongoing for a while. Yeah, I know. So right, let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> so anyway, what I'm trying to say is, is that eventually, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. Okay, and let me just say... I don't. I don't think it's right. It's definitely not fucking right. But we just need shit happens. Well, and listen, I just like I think people need to realize that like this shit should be protected. You're right. It should be protected under you know the civil rights. It should be a protect. Uh, people should have access to all of this stuff. But right. the fact is. It's not yet protected, so it's just another fucking step we got to take. Yeah, but all these book bannings, for example, it's it's a violation of someone's civil rights because you're not doing that equally, right? Like, you're not saying, okay, I'm banning this book because there's a little white girl who decided she's going to go have some fun down a little rabbit hole, you know, for a few hours, Alice in Wonderland, right? But I'm banning this book because there's a little brown boy who happens to also be gay, who happens to also, also be... Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland should be banned because it's LSD. Right. But <laughs> no, but it's but it not. Should. But it's not. Right? But let's ban gay books and, and you know, books about black artists and people who who don't fit under the normal stereotype, stereotypical mold of what parents, you know, white parents specifically, no offense to you, think, the you know, agenda, the boss. world, the, you know, the, what the world thinks our children should be learning. Well, you know, and it's ridiculous. And eventually, one of these cases is going to end up at the Supreme Court, and we're really going to like be very disappointed with the ruling because of the current makeup of this court. But I will tell you that had Ruth Bader Ginsburg still been here, and had three of these justices that were appointed by the dumpster that was the last president we had, um, not been here, and we would have still had the existing makeup of the previous court. And some of these cases were challenged and some of these lawsuits actually made it to the Supreme Court. Those decisions would have immediately been stayed Mm -hmm. or would have been overturned for whatever reason. But unfortunately, you know, it's not the the, the makeup that we have. What is it with you and sounds in your computer? Are you having a moment? Look, Um, all I'm saying is that (laughs) Chick-fil-A needs to define DEI correctly. And if they do, like I said, you know, I'm hopeful. I still won't eat at your stores. Sorry. I've never, I've never eaten at a Chick-fil-A. Yeah, me neither. Me either. Yeah. I haven't even had their, their so-called waffle fries, which everybody, you know, is uh, going nuts and bananas over. But anyway, on to happier news. So um, about two years ago, God, I can't believe it's been that long. Um, we had... A magical experience, right? We st- stumbled upon the show. I can't remember who was it told us to watch. Was it Hans? Hans, Hans. Damn you, Hans. Damn you, Hans Hershey. Yes. Um, Hans said, hey, there's a show called Hot Heartstopper on Netflix. I think it was Hans. Yeah, was it, it was, Hans? I think, 
I mean, I think yes. it was. Oh, you're right. Yes. You're right. I think yeah. it was. Anyway, so we started watching it, and we were instantly hooked, instantly smitten. The storyline was just amazing. The level of inclusivity in this in, in this genius of writing in 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 the show was just amazing and utterly great. And since its ending, I believe it was in 2021. Yeah, I think that's when when the last episode mm. aired. Was it 21? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but you're right. It doesn't. Um, anyway, ever since it's ending, we were left with wanting more. I wanted to know more about, you know, this amazing story about these two beautiful young souls that found love and found acceptance and caring and, and went through a, a shitload of emotions, uh, in the process, uh, which was just absolutely beautifully, beautifully told. Um, but I'm, I'm proud to report that we officially got a release date. It is coming back. So, of course, if you haven't seen Heartstopper, season one's available on Netflix. You can go and watch it. Um, make binge, sure that. Binge watch it. Mm-hmm, binge watch it because it is. Uh, Joe Locke and Kit Connor did amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are coming back. Um, the release date is uh, set right now to debut on August 3rd. So. Um, Gonna binge watch it before yeah, the release again. Mm hmm. The, to, the the first episode, yeah, the first season, absolutely. Yeah, I, to, I'm excited just to have it fresh before the new one. I, we tend to do that sometimes with certain movies. Where yeah, you gotta go to, back. Yeah, you gotta go back and just and watch it all over again. Watch it all over again. So so so, given the fact that you know, from what you can recall, what what was your what was your your sentimental emotional experience watching this, um, this show, the show. I think like a lot of us kind of uh discussed uh when we were talking about the show as we were mm. watching it 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 does kind of you know it, it hits you in the feels a lot of the times mm-hmm. especially with the experiences and the way things happen and the way they describe it mm-hmm. absolutely it kind of you know there's times that you're watching and you're like oh shit i remember kind of having these i remember feelings. all those yeah, feelings all those feelings and how you felt the butterflies and how you were unsure about what was happening, but you wanted it to happen anyway. It's right. just, I think it's the whole excitement behind the whole um, process. Uh, you know, and, and again, you got to keep in mind, you're talking about this is a setting of, you know, high school age. So you're coming into puberty, you're ex- experimenting, you're exploring. Um, I just, but wait a minute. I don't think, all- I don't think you've stopped doing any of those things <laughs> even after puberty. No, definitely not. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But anyways. What happened <laughs> what was. What happened was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think it's all in all, I mean, uh, the whole storyline, like you said earlier. Yeah. The whole storyline kind of like keeps you in suspense the entire time. And I think it's uh, it was well written, really yeah. well written. And I think it, it compared to other shows that I have seen that are, you know, comparing these types of uh uh, uh, lifestyles of uh, teenagers and exploring. I think this was more in the fields and and right. very. It's, it, was, it was real. Well, yeah, more more of a real down to earth yeah. type of look at it. Yeah, for me, I saw myself in a lot of uh, of of the character that was played by, um, not by Kit, um, but by um, okay, what was his name? Uh, Joe Locke, right? He plays the. Uh, the person that falls in love with with Kit with Kit Connors um, um, character, um, I, I identified a lot with him because I found myself feeling that way a lot um, with people that that I interacted with in my youth 
that um, I care deeply for. And, but most, most importantly of all is seeing the story being told on TV was the biggest impact for me because I didn't have a show like this to show us that, you know, love between (laughs) two individuals um, is amazing and beautiful and can be just as, um, you know, dynamic and and give you all the feels as any other heterosexual relationship we've ever seen, um, you know, reflected in storylines and in TV that we were forced to watch uh, when we were growing up. And so I think that for me was the most impactful uh, of the entire series itself, but it was beautifully written and well told. What about you, Miss Trash? Yeah. Yeah. Where do we start is the better question. Right. I don't know. I think part of it was, you know, Keep your eyes open. You never know who's going to be in your corner mm-hmm. and who you're going to, you know, fall in love with. Right. Um, cool. And who's going to love you back. And then also, I just think that, like, the dynamics with the families in the stories were so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, that that moment with the mother when Kit Connors' character came out was just... I mean, like, I'm getting teary-eyed thinking about it. Like, it was just, like I said earlier, I mean, it was real. You know what I mean? Right. While that doesn't happen for everybody, the reaction and how the mother handled it, that's what everybody dreams of. Right. And it was just such a beautiful moment. You want to be able to say, Mom, I'm gay, or Mom, this is more than just my friend, and and then just receive love in return. Right. I forgot the the actress's name. I think it's Olivia something. I can't remember what her last name is. But yeah, she she's plays masterfully that that role. Yeah. I mean, the writers um, on this show were yeah. they 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 knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for season 2. So uh if you're ready, if you're ready for season 2 uh of um, of the show, make sure Heartstopper. Make sure that you know you um, set your calendar. Uh, excuse me, August second. Um, all right. But it was third. No, it's. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Yes, it is August third. Oh my god, I'm such a mess. Yeah, <laughs> August third. August third this year. Anyway, um, I think we're done uh, for the evening, so I'm going to toss it over to my boys so that we can go Wait, ahead. Wait, I put one other thing in there really quick. Oh, oh, I just want to oh, cover it. I'm oh. really excited for something else that's coming out in August. Uh, oh, so okay. one I, didn't of my, see, I didn't see this. I'm sorry. It's, it's all good. One of my favorite books mm-hmm. that I've listened to several times and now want to listen to again, Red, White, and Royal Blue, is set to premiere on Prime on August 11th, the day before my birthday. Oh, my God. How serendipitous. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing because it's a story about the first um, the first son of America and a prince of England um, falling in love. And then there's, you know, secret romance uh, because obviously they couldn't be public yeah. about it. And then it comes out in public. And then you'll you'll see what happens if you haven't read the book. But it's such a powerful, um, cute, quippy uh, story. And I think people will really, really enjoy it. I'm very excited about it. And the two men are beautiful. And Tom's point earlier, um, the first son is half Hispanic. So yeah, that's great to see. I, we, I was trying to guess, right? Okay, so which one would be the white boy and which one was going to be the Hispanic? 
And I'm thinking, okay, well, the white boy definitely has to be the British prince, right? And, you know, because only in America will, will a Spanish family or a black family or, well, and it's kind of questionable right now, would, would be able to be, you know, get to the point where you could be called the first son or for, first daughter or whatever the case may be. Um, but can you imagine if those roles were reversed? It would be... We were having those conversations yeah. earlier outside. Like, can you imagine if the Queen of England was a Latina? <laughs> oh, my God. That would be hilarious. Yep. <laughs> she wouldn't be so quiet no. about anything. Are you kidding me? No. She would be very more... People of the Inglaterra, let me tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't give a shit. The Prime Minister must go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway... <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's exciting. So maybe we'll get together and watch it together. Yeah, it'll be fun. Homer Thurman's in it. Yeah. Stop. Oh, okay. Homer Thurman. Should be interesting. As long as she doesn't like come out and, you know, start kill billing everybody, we'll be good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) no, but did you ever watch those movies? I think I want, I wanted to actually touch on a quick subject too. But you do. Oh my God. We're full of stories today. Mexico adds non-binary option to passports and a great leap for the dignity of people. That's amazing. Yeah. Hooray. Claps. Bravo. Bravo. So yeah, May 17th, they, uh, uh, in honor of international day against homophobia, biphobia and transphobia, the foreign ministry held an event to celebrate its new inclusive policy and issues its first ever non-binary passport to magistrate and activist Osiel Banea, Baena. Sorry. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Just wanted to, touch on that because i mean it, it's a great leap forward for for uh you know our peoples all right so we have about three and a half four hours left before it is officially june 1st and before it is pride here's my commitment to you over the course of the next four weeks um i'm gonna try my hardest to not talk about the sanctimonium obviously we can't mention his name because we said we wouldn't for um, the month of June, I'm going to try my hardest to not talk about um, the horrible shit show that it is, the, the American political system. And I'm going to try my hardest and promise as much as I can to bring you lighthearted stories for the next four weeks um, during Pride Month that only fill us with joy and love because we deserve that as a community. We deserve that as individuals. We deserve that... Um, because we're human and because we exist and because we're here. And so um, that is my promise to you for this month of June. So, Trish, you want your love, girl? Yeah, sure. All right, everybody, here's Mama Kim's Minute. Number one, Tina Turner was a fearless LGBTQ plus ally long before it was popular to be one. She sure was. Number two, six celebrities who know what it means to be allies to their LGBTQ plus children. Number three, conservatives admit that Bud Light and Target boycotts are about making pride toxic to corporations. Of course it is. Absolutely. Jay Bird, your turn. And on this day in gay history, brought to you by Gay Talk 2.0, May 31st, of course, the year is 2014, and the Isle, is this an Isle? Is this island a of Cyprus. Yep, Cyprus. It is a country, but it's also country, an island. Country, island, yeah. yeah. All right, then more than 3,500 people march through the nation's capital in Nicosia, Nicosia, Nicosia? Sure. Uh, yeah, except LGBT uh 
Cyprus President Costas. Oh man, Gabriel you know what fucked you up? There was he, no Q plus yes, at the it, end. Yeah, that, it did. So try it, it again. And just throw it, it in. Threw me, it threw me <laughs> off big time. Except LGBTQ plus Cyprus President Costas Gavri, Gavrielidis mm-hmm. said that he was overwhelmed because he had expected just a few hundred people to attend. This proves that Cypriots. Cypriot society has progressed much more than polit- politicians say. A small group of counter-protesters clashed with police. Right. So if, uh, if you don't understand um, yeah, because I screwed that one. where Cyprus is, so Cyprus is in the Mediterranean. Um, Cyprus is a, a, one of the bigger islands that is located between Greece and Turkey, I believe. So what, what ends up happening is that, um, well, not necessarily Turkey. See, now I got to go on the map. Yeah. Um, but anyway, half of the island is actually Greek. Um, government, um, you know, customs uh, is, is very Greek, while the other half of the island in Cyprus uh, tends to be a little bit more... Um, uh, no, that's not it. That's not it. Uh, actually, Beirut. Hold on. It's between Lebanon... Um. Yeah. Cairo. Yeah. So it is. It is right below Turkey, but also it's very close to Beirut, Israel. But half of the actual island is actually um, Greek, while the other half tends to um, be more Turkish uh, in nature. And there is almost like a demarcation line between both sides of the island. I had a friend that lived there. He used to tell me that he had to land uh, on one side of the island and drive through this whole political hot mess to get to Limassol, where he lives, which is on the southern coast of the island to the to the west. Um, but he he was he used to send me um, pictures. His name was Kipros. He would send me pictures of the island. It was just absolutely gorgeous well maybe we'll go one day oh maybe we should i mean i just don't know but you know gay talk credit card yeah <laughs> all right but it is it is a picturesque beautiful island awesome. temperature is also very very nice um jaybird tossing it your way all righty then if you love the show make sure to subscribe rate and review on your favorite Fod, uh, podcasting, right? Mm-hmm. Podcasting service. By subscribing, you get the latest and greatest of our show delivered right to your favorite device or web browser as soon as the episode is published. You can also support us on Patreon. With Patreon, you, our favorite listeners, can help to support the show with a pledged donation. The donations are collected monthly and can be in any denomination of a dollar or more. Gas Queen. Keep going. And next week, we welcome Kyle Turner, author of the new book. Try that again. (laughs) Arthur is a name. Yeah, that's what I said, author. (laughs) Anyway, it's the accent. It's it's the accent. I know messing with him. Come on. Yeah, I I fuck words up all the time. Don't worry about it. The Queer Film Guide. (laughs) Again, author of the new book, The Queer Film film guide 100 great movies that tell lgbtqia plus stories you nailed it all right so thank you thank you thank you again to the wonderful the one the only dr evan goldstein and don't forget that you can get the future method and all other products today all products are doctor developed 
can clean out without hurting your bum. You can take confidence anywhere with anal powder packs. And now you can increase your stretch goals and mental health with the three-piece anal glass dilation kit. Visit futuremethod.com to purchase your life-changing bum cleanser today. That's clean. And as always, it it has come to the end of our show, and it's time Uh, to put a ring on it. Our show is available on our website, gatetalk20.com, under audio podcast. It is also available as a free download on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher Radio. Nick, over to you. All right. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Gay Talk 2.0, Instagram, Gay Talk 2.0. You can email us at gaytalk2.0 at gaytalk20.com. Tom? Uh, Good luck. All right. Well, ladies and gents, if you need to reach out to us, just head on over to our website. Click on the Contact Us tab, which is located at the top of your web browser. There you can leave comments, suggest topics, submit a question for the cast or an individual host. You can also call us and leave us those questions via voice message. We can answer them for you right on the show. The phone number is 334-GAY-TALK. And if you need all the digits, it is 334-429-8255. Don't forget that we do stream live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can access the live stream by visiting our website, gaytalk20.com forward slash live stream. I want to thank you all for joining us today. I want to say happy Pride. I hope you guys have a wonderful Pride Month celebration. Uh, We love you and uh, thank you. And y'all have a good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gay Talk 2.0. Tune in next time for more Dish.